This is Spotlight on Fintech, a place to discuss all things related to finance, technology, and innovation. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Spotlight on Fintech, brought to you by SpotCap, a fintech lender to businesses and provider of lending technologies. Today we're tuning into a roundtable discussion hosted in our Berlin HQ last week, where five distinguished speakers discuss the future of financial services and the emerging ecosystem model. Our founder and CEO, Jens Volacek, was joined by representatives from Figo, McKinsey Co., Deutsche Bank and JP Bullhound, and the roundtable discussion was moderated by the IT correspondent at Reuters. So let's tune in to hear from businesses on the front line of this evolution of financial services. My name is Edith Schwozek. I'm an IT correspondent working on the news agency Reuters. And at this panel today here, we would like to give you some insight into the future of financial services. But let us first look back. Do you remember the time when a lot of articles came up reflecting on how fintechs will wipe away the whole banking sector and at least, or at least turning it upside down? What has happened since then? Sometimes it seems that um, we are in a deadlock situation where everybody is kind of waiting for the next step of arrival, and things are not moving as quickly as we maybe expected it. And for some, this kind of peaceful coexistence of fintechs and the banking sector or traditional banks is kind of attractive um, to some point. But to be clear, um, I think that um, we will reach crossroads at some time, and yeah, at the end, there's a question, who will be successful and why? And who will be the winner? Um, will it be the customer or will it be the banks? Will it be a fintech, fintechs at all? So here at this panel, we have experts from all different sides um, who are going to discuss their point of views with us. Um, so that's why I would like to introduce um, the panelists to you. And um, let's start with our woman first, um, it's the head of product strategy at Pigo. Um, her name is Nadja Schlüssel. And we have another fintech expert here at my side. It's um, the founder and CEO of SpotCap, our host, Jens Wollerstack. And the only one from the old economy is the head of startup at um, Berlin, good old Deutsche Bank, Milos Biridanovic. And then we have two experts over there from the outside, an associate partner at McKinsey, um, his name is Andre Lierens, so welcome, and the head of uh, the German office at JP uh, Bullhound, an investment banker himself, Julian Riedelbauer. So, um, yeah, I guess you're going to introduce yourself uh, a little bit more longer, a little bit longer, so um, let's just start. So we at GP Bullhound are advising tech companies on growth equity <coughs> situations and exits and we have worked for several fintechs. For example, for Klarna we did a large secondary sale, we advised um, PayOne on the sale to Deutsche Sparkassen Group, we advised RatePay on the sale to Edwin Bain and the fundraiser SlimPay for example. Well, hello everybody, Andre um, from McKinsey, um, well probably you know the traditional part of what, what we are helping um, companies with on the strategy, but 
We have quite a large um, um, group of uh, digital experts where I'm part of, and um, I'm solely focusing on financial um, industry, and, and they are on the sweet spot of technology where I believe the German market is actually at the moment quite lagging behind. And I think there's a huge opportunity, not only by corporation partnerships, acquisitions, to actually help our banking clients to really you know, step up the game. Yeah, I'm working for Figo. We are not a very small uh, startup anymore. We are 55 people now. I'm working there for two years um, now as head of product strategy. And uh, my background is in innovation management. You should know that because sometimes I tell things about like open your minds. Um, and that's where it's coming from. Um, that was before. And uh, Figo is the plug into the bank accounts um, basically at the moment. That's what's coming with PSD2. We are managing for around five years now, um, first as a multi-banking app, that was one of the first ones, that's where Figo comes from, finance to go, um, and then we got kicked out of the app store, it's not a joke, that happens, um, <laughs> and then some clever dudes in our company decided that there's something of value left, and that is the plug into the bank accounts, and that's what we're doing now. My name is Miloš, I'm with Deutsche Bank, so I guess you're right, the old industry player uh, in the room. And I've been in Germany for about two years, specifically managing a team of relationship managers, which focuses on providing financial services to technology companies and then also uh, startups. Uh, we're connected across the bank on many different levels and layers, and I think we'll be talking about some very interesting topics on how the bank interacts with the fintech market and then also uh, with some of the challenges and uh, issues that we face on a daily basis. Happy to be here. Cool. Yeah, last, last but not least, Jens, uh, my name, uh, founder and CEO uh, of SpotCup. I'm very happy that we could uh, host that uh, roundtable today. Thank you very much for the introduction. Yeah, um, um, SpotCup, we are a multinational company, a lender to SMEs, involved in both direct lending to the SMEs, but also recently announced also a wide label bank partnership with Barbak on basically leveraging our, our technology, what we've built. Um, um, to help serving those uh, those SMEs, we are headquartered here in in Berlin, um, as you as you can see, where roughly 50% of our global team sits. Um, we are operating in five countries um, uh, as of today, um, and um, yeah, have uh, been very successful. I think over the especially last two three years here to um, not only grow our our, um, our team and build our, our products, which are more and more relevant. I think also in light of the bank partnership discussions, but we're also able to um, increase our our uh, offering to the uh, to the SMEs and have uh, as uh, year to date kind of issued around 200 million in credit lines um, to them and um, yeah very happy again to be here and participate. Okay, thanks very much for the introduction. Yeah, let us just um, start with the discussion now. Um, at the end, there will be time to ask questions. So that's uh, for sure. Um, let us maybe start with the customer first. Um, what does the customer really want and who can give it to him? What do you think about that? Um, yeah, um, Well, it's not so easy to understand what customers want, right? So that's the first, that's the first thing. Um, and oftentimes you can't really figure it out by just asking them. Um, that is another, it's another issue. And um, so you have to somehow anticipate. What I often find is that, specifically the big, the big banks, but also lots of fintechs, if you ask me, to be honest, um, are thinking about something fancy, fancy new, and then they forget about the problem. So if you solve a problem, like a real problem, which is a pain in my ass and in your ass, that's a good start. <laughs> and um, that's where, to me, customer centricity really starts. And um, 
that is also the greatest weakness at the moment um, in, the, in the industry, I think, starting with like, is there really a problem? And if there is one, then the beautiful interface is second. Um, that's yeah. my opinion on that, yeah. Do you all agree? Yeah. Absolutely. I, no, sorry. no, not disagreeing. So from at least our perspective, because we work with startups and technology companies uh, specifically, it doesn't, uh, I can't really speak on behalf of like private customers or or what some of their demands would be. So just strictly focusing on the on the startups and tech companies, what we see is maybe a bit of a shift in mentality. Uh, what is expected, I think, from banks or financial partners is that you have free accounts, low transaction costs, and high value of advisory. And if you combine those three into one thing, you have a business model that's not profitable. Uh, so now the question becomes on what's more important, because I do agree, I think the financial technology should improve, making transactions cross-border should be easier, receiving uh, SME loans should be more standardized for companies, there are faster ways of accomplishing this, but there's one thing, there's the transaction and then there's the advisory component. For a very long time in financial services, all of the fees for bank accounts uh, have come with free advisory on top of it. And now it seems that the model is switching. So are we moving to a world where technology replaces the simple transactions and advisory becomes charged? Or, yeah, I don't know how it looks, uh, how it looks in the future, but it is a bit of a shift in uh, what's expected from financial service providers. And I think the customer wants to have a choice. Um, and he doesn't want to be limited to the products the bank offers, but he wants to have access to the new offerings like RoboAdvice, um, different ways of um, investing money that fintechs provide without having to register for 10 different fintechs, um, undergo the KYC process for, for 10 times, and then have 10 tech statements from different providers. So I think they want to have a choice, but at the same time, not too many different uh, financial providers. And I think if it comes to business clients, there are a lot of underserved segments, like the really small business clients, self-employed people, freelancers, medium-sized businesses that want to have a smaller loan, for example, they're totally underserved from traditional banks because the processing costs are too high. Yeah. I fully agree. I mean, in the end, it's what, what they really want is, I think, is uh, around financial product, it's, it's ease and convenience, right? In the end, and the, the, the challenge is often that they, they, also, they are not really expert around financing products, right? They are, also when we are dealing with business owners, they're, they know how to, to kind of run their business. Uh, they they need financing, but then often not really. They don't really understand this quite often quite very well. And um, that's basically where we, as a fintech company, also come in because we try to simplify the requirements in the application process. Um, basically, try to get data from third-party providers. We don't need to ask them, which also again means that the advisory part is then I would say not out of the door, but it's limited to their core questions, um, but not to more administrative uh, also topics, um, and that's in the end is probably what 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 it is in the end about I would say. And it's the, the challenge is here that the initial um, how everything kind of yeah, started obviously decades and probably centuries back is that it was probably not meant to be simple uh, in the first because of all regulatory and, uh, challenges which do exist for to a large extent also for good reasons. Um, but this within this framework. Uh, processes have been built which are still relatively complex internally and externally and that's something where obviously players um, such as uh, Spotcap also do obviously think help to, to break certain 
patterns, which maybe are not necessary, but also uh, regulatory, uh, regulatory environments actually do change. And for instance, the FCA in particular in, in, the, in the UK, uh, and also obviously in Europe in general, but PSC2, but also open banking, which is about to come, we're going to see how they, what the impact is, is actually meant to change this in a, in a very drastic way, and we might probably even see the biggest um, fundamental changes up, even coming from now, and not even what happened already in the last few years. Um, at least that's what I expect. I think everybody in this week in the industry was talking about M26 and uh, their new financing rounds. So, as we can all see, there's a lot of money in the market right now. And what do you think? What's your opinion on this? Um, will it work out at the end? And will it lead to an exit to an IPO? And what will, yeah, what's going to happen for the other um, fintechs in the market? Well, I think at the moment, as you just said, there's still lots of money in the market. And as long as the environment is like the, envi the environment is, there will be money in the market. So, you know, you're like, the, the market is hungry to invest still. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, you know, and that can change with a crash. It can change, you know, overnight, very suddenly or in, you know, longer, in, the long, in, the, in the longer run. I'm not a fortune teller. <laughs> so um, I think what will happen is, uh, at least in my opinion, is we will have some consolidation. That's the normal thing happening in every hyped sector, and we are certainly in a hyped sector because we do observe lots of lots of lots of Me Too products. Um, they like hardly, you know, you can hardly understand the differences between them. And uh, the customer, you know, they can't for sure see any difference between them when I can't see them. So um, they. There needs to be some consolidation, and um, I mean, regarding the the big neo or challenger banks like um, N26. Um, well, I mean, I think some might have the strategy of like being bought by some major company, which can be a bank or can be some of the Googles or the, the Amazons or you know, whatever. Because if you look at you know the intentions of founders, um, it is not always like I want to have a sustainable business. Sometimes it's like I want to sell this for a billion. And that's a valid point. And um, I think some of the challenger banks are going and moving into that into that direction. And um, and 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 that it makes also it makes more sense, you know, if you if you try to to raise a, a bank which is truly international, like for example, Revolut. It's not a bank, but you know, it's, it's it's part of a bank. Um, if you if you do that in an international way, then you make yourself. You put yourself in a very comfortable position to be bought by a global player. And I think that's, that's probably the, the path some of them will be going. And I think finally there's a big, big fintech round in Germany. I mean, we do not have enough funding in European fintechs. If you can compare it with Asia, especially China or the US, it's totally underfinanced. I mean, we do not have significant financial fintechs as the US or uh, China has. And I think we are totally lagging behind. And, um, especially in Germany, there are not many big fintechs that raise a lot of money. And um, if you compare that to other global fintechs or US or China-based fintechs, even if it's a great big round for Germany, for a German-based fintech, it's still relatively small in the international context. So I think um, I'm super happy that um, N6 and Swazi raised that amount. But it's still not enough to have only one N626 raising so much, and then others fintechs raising maybe 30 million or 50 million. We need much more capital, and we need bigger, more global um, players based in Germany. And if you look at, for example, Falando, 
it's now a more than 10 billion um, uh, company with a 10 billion market cap. They also raised a lot of money in the beginning to dominate the market, grab um, land, run a land grab mode, and dominate the space. And I think this is, can only be done with heavily funded companies. Is it a primarily an issue of the potential kind of fintechs or the investor base or potentially both, I guess? But it's, I mean, the question is a chicken egg problem almost, right? So if there is a lot of uh, investment potential there uh, as a whatever entrepreneur or um, rising star, um, you would be more aggressive and try to obviously get that funds and then grow. Or if you're, there's not enough funds, then you're limited in growth, I guess, right? I think the problem is the early stage funding. So we don't have enough early stage money to bring the companies to a size where international money invests. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in the US you have bigger early stage rounds. So the companies grow in size, become attractive for international in investors, and then it's no problem. As you can see with N26 or, for example, Auto One Group, also an example that raised a lot of money early um, in Berlin. Um, the company needs to grow, companies need to grow fast, and then you get attract international money. Mm -hmm. And to get to this level where you attract a lot of international capital, it's difficult to, to reach that stage in Germany. So because the, the, there's just not enough early stage money. What needs to be changed on the capital side? More larger early rounds to bring the companies to bigger size. How? more corporate venture capital, more activities from the state. I mean, they are now changing. The German new government tries to, to increase the funding. Um, there are more initiatives. So I think it's getting better, but it's still not good enough. But there's also the, one, the other side, right? I mean, if you look at the, at the German mentality and German founders, it's just different than in the US. You know, it's not like the Silicon Valley boys. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go super fast, and then I, I achieve what you just said. I think there's also this 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 this, this mindset of uh, being slightly slightly more risk averse, even though you just founded a startup, which is like the riskiest thing you could do. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a funny mixture. It's at least what I see uh, within our own markets um, over and over again. That it's like it's it's if you compare the amount of risk um, people take and the, the the speed they want to grow, it's still nothing compared to to international um, standards. And I think we should also take this a bit into perspective. Yeah, if you look at the, just in the European market, Germany is, is clearly picking up and actually is at par with, with UK. And in the end, I mean, you can only take money if you have an idea on, on what you want to invest in. So I think it comes to the business model of the, of the companies that we have in Germany and maybe the, the risk averseness to expand into other markets. Yeah? <coughs> But I think in the end, we are now in a good trend. Yeah? I think year on year, we significantly increase the, the amounts of funding. And, and I think as soon as um, the business models prove to be profitable, or at least uh, you know, um, cash flow-wise, I think then this attracts more and more um, also international capital. I think either you need to be profitable or you need to be, need to be growing super fast yeah. and be able to show a core profitability. But then you yeah. just fuel it with money to grow faster. I mean, scalable capital, deposit solutions are also yeah. other examples that are doing a pretty good job. But, uh, it's probably one of the, I don't know the details obviously behind there on N26, but I think it's one of the question I always get asked, obviously, from investors for years already is obviously what are the unit economics, right? And that's, uh, um, and I mean, if you look at N26, they, they're growing very fast in the customer base. Um, most likely, not, they, they still need to make 
money of that over over time. So not like looking backwards, but it's the same like with was like with Twitter, right? Who also didn't have any any revenues but a huge customer base. So there is there also needs a bit of like um, a vision also, which obviously needs to come from the from the from the founders, etc. But also from the investors, what this can be. Um, um, and uh, I think sometimes here, especially in maybe in Europe, they focus too much of on the unit economics historically also than on what is the potential behind the product offering and be part of that uh, then uh, that vision to drive forward right to be active uh, uh, as an investor and not only passive in terms of deploying capital and then hope that things are are going well at the same time fintech compared to other industries is probably one of the most complex industries as well so as a, as a startup right when you start building something you can just not build a front end a landing page and then sort the other stuff somehow out and then build this over time so from day one you need to actually build something fairly complex which takes more time which takes more also resources um, and a lot of specialists involved there so I think uh, the hurdles to build something great for a lot of good fintech companies are higher than other industries which makes it even more important to have the more right expensive. support yeah it's more expensive obviously yeah it's uh, um, that's probably one of the challenges I would still say um, you know, she are looking at a lot of fintech. So, do you agree um, with um, the current initiative? So, I agree with risk aversion from the investor uh, perspective of it, and also from uh, consumer adoption. Because I think uh, when I first moved here, I was surprised at how cash uh, <laughs> heavy this uh, environment is. Uh, but I think there's another uh, economic topic here. So if we look at financial technology as a specific segment, which I think is very different than Zalando and Auto One, is that uh, the, there is a reason why there aren't so many funds here investing uh, as large amounts. Because Europe is, I mean, when you compare it to the United States of America, it's not the United States of Europe. It's the European Union. It's a union of many small countries in relative to the population of Asia and the United States, in which you have different regulatory frameworks, you have different standards across countries, you have different legal frameworks, not just regulatory from a banking perspective. So, and I'm not an investor, but I would assume that as an investor, you're gonna take a look at the top-down approach and say, okay, in Germany, you have 80 million citizens. Of the 80 million citizens, how many can I adopt? In Spain, which has a totally different framework, which will have a totally different investment criteria and investment spend in order to really span across the European markets. I mean, Brexit's not going to simplify the situation either. And therefore, you can't look at Europe as a single market area, actually, when you think about how much investment is going to be necessary in order to start flipping this profit that the uh, venture, venture companies are, are looking into. And at the other tail end of it is, is a global investor, which of course venture companies focus on technology uh, for the most part. The um, other pieces of it were 10 years into uh, from the last recession. And interest rates are at an all-time low, so of course a lot of money has flooded into higher and more riskier opportunities. Stock markets have returned 20 plus percent in the last uh, 10 years seem to be cooling off, so there will be a lot of money available for risk, uh, risk value ventures, but I, we see that uh, the investment world has slowed down a little bit investment just in general in a global context, because everybody's trying to see, well, what is going to happen from a uh, political? How much is the government going to step into this? I mean, the European Commission, the Union, they've spent, I mean, they're almost half invested in
every investment that a VC company is investing into Europe. So there's a lot of leverage out there. And we just have to wait and see what happens in the coming years uh, as interest rates start to rise and, and the economy truly recovers. So European startups are not at a losing point um, at some point or just because they are from Europe? I think it's uh, evolution, uh, just like any other technology. Uh, so I like history very much, so I always studied the 2001, the 82, and everything else uh, that's happened in, uh, as technology evolves. Fintech has exploded for, at least in my personal opinion, for two main reasons. One is the scent from banks. So what happened in 2008 has upset a lot of people. The technology was also available. The platform style model, the app store, and all of these technologies became available just at the right time where individuals from banks have started to come out and to create their own companies in, in fintech landscape. And it's the early stage of what this really means. I mean, we have all these buzz topics of blockchain and cryptocurrencies coming into the market and uh, how this will affect. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I think there's like two aspects of it, as, and I feel like I'm talking too much here, uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to steal the time, but uh, I, I think that you have large corporates, and large corporates, whether they're in fashion, uh, will always have the challenge that they will not be able to as quickly adopt new things as small companies will. And there will always be a space for technology and innovation, whether it's fintech or fashion, uh, where there will be small players which will either partner, be acquired, or somehow grow up to be their own um, in this landscape. And this will be forever. It's just probably going to go in waves. Yeah. Um, let us change the topic just a little bit. Um, everybody is talking about Amazon, Google, Facebook, and how they're how and when they might enter the financial market. Um, so I would just like to hear about your strategy or your ideas how to fend them off and how to, yeah, to um, create an existing or just an ecosystem next to Facebook and Google. Question. Um, I mean, in the end, um, some of them, for instance Amazon, right, they're already offering financial services uh, like working capital, for instance, like in the, in the US. So they have already um, started to, let's say, consider that sector in general. And I think overall it is, um, it's obviously, if you also look at banks on a global level, I think it can be a quite profitable business and, and margins are generally under pressure everywhere and it's about value-added uh, services. I think it's, uh, I think the, and there are some surveys also which reveal that many customers um, actually would be willing to go to, I don't know, Amazon, Google, etc. to open a bank account with them. But I think in the end it's still about, um, also now as, as, as with, with open banking, etc., where the customer starts to have more, um, be more in the powerful situation to actually decide w what to do with his or her data, I think it becomes the question whether they can also create that that that, that trust um, in that they can really you know they really handle that data in a very confidential way with all the stakes that are involved. I mean the recent let's say issue around Facebook um, whether it was really their fault or not, but it reveals that um, in light of all the business uh, basically activities, right? There is there is a scenario where this does not uh, basically go to the right uh, to right uh, people, right? Um, or, or, or institution, and that is actually, and, and that's something we also realize. It's like, it's really it's in, in financial services as 
boring as the banks are sometimes perceived, and everyone is complaining, people still trusting the banks. Uh, and that trust is something it takes time to build. It took them years and decades, but it's very, uh, it can break within seconds with one incident. Let's see what, what the impact is going to be on Facebook. And this is just consumer data on with whom I'm connecting. If it's not my, my own financial data, um, that's even a topic. So I think there's, I think, interest, and uh, they have a large customer base. They are, part, they are an ecosystem, um, but I think um, it's really to be, uh, which is a natural advantage to start uh, here, and it's about the customer, who owns the customer in the end, but whether they are really the ones uh, which everyone trusts in terms of financial service, I would be almost a bit critical about, um, and, um, but this doesn't mean that they do not offer financial products over time. Um, I think for, for, for players such as us, it's about obviously also not only developing uh, the technology to serve SMEs, but also see which which players to partners, and uh, um, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't start to consider partnering with someone like them, but it's, um, I think there's also a lot of benefits of partnering with banks or financial institutions. It doesn't need to be only a bank who are in that space already from day one uh, or from the past, and we can basically build um, a good offering with all the security layers that are included uh, from day one. Um, so I think that's not per se which makes them more beneficial for us to partner with. But they are definitely they're gonna then they're gonna go into that sector. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe just to react on it. I think banks and fintechs. I think they are in the same space here at the moment. Yeah, and that is, I think you need to understand what are the the future ecosystems that that, that are interesting for you as a as a company, and what role do you want to play in that ecosystem? I think that's what number one that you need to understand, and then you need to you know find the partners, the alliance. Um, um, the right players that you want to integrate in it. And um, we from McKinsey, we did a, a quick um, um, survey with banks. What Do they have an ecosystem strategy and what role do they want to play? And 100% of, of all banks said, we want to be the orchestrator of an ecosystem. <laughs> Obviously, that's not possible, yeah? <laughs> not worldwide. So I think that's, that's problem number one, yeah? Um, you need to have the strategy for the ecosystem, you need to find your role. And then, I think then you can play, what's the end game here? Yeah? If you look into China, we have Ping An and we have um, Tenscan who are dominating ecosystems in housing um, based on a large customer um, base. So you could think maybe that's the game that will come globally, maybe. Yeah? Um, but I think there are also other, um, other opportunities there and other uh, scenarios that you can think of. But at, at the moment, what, what I observe is in Germany, not the whole concept of what's my ecosystem, and it's not financial services, it's something around the customer need and the larger space. What is that, and how do I attack this, and whom do I need to involve there? That, for me, that's the key one. And then coming back to Amazon, Google, Facebook, and so on, I think Amazon is the most risky one for the banks. Um, I mean, they have the credit card, they have the uh, marketplace vendor financing in place, um, rumors say, was Journal picked that up, that um, Amazon is trying to partner with a U.S. bank to offer accounting products to their customers. So I think they are trying, and if they like that segment and they, if they see it's a growing segment, they will go full into it and double down on it. But maybe they also will withdraw because it's not that attractive, or maybe they also stay or only focus to the U.S. And I mean, you have all the other tech majors like Apple with Apple Pay, um, you have Google with the uh, Google Pay that's also trying to get into more merchants than just their app store. So I think there, here and there, the big tech majors will try. 
to win market share and they have customer access and customer data and that makes them so dangerous. Yeah, but if you look back, um, I think the same was told about PayPal like five years ago yeah? with big backing by eBay. But if you look today, I mean, yes, they have a world in Europe, but it's not dominant, yeah? and they're not went into all the different um, spaces that they could. Yeah? The same is with, with, uh, with Apple Pay, still picking up. So I think, yes, you need to be cautious about these players, but at the same time, I think you should be more um, offensive and, and, and going forward <coughs> in, in shaping the ecosystem. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, the question maybe also to, I don't know how the survey was set up, but I guess what might be meant by that answer to that ecosystem is more like, Independent of how big that ecosystem is, even if it's just a bank ecosystem, so to say, uh, in a certain that they um, that the banks need to be ready to basically build that nucleus to then decide whether they offer multiple products, certain products only, um, etc. But I think what they're realizing, I guess, and that's also something I what we see it's when uh, Spotcap is talking to the banks and, uh, and partnering is that um, independent of whether make or buy in the end, i.e., they want to develop the products themselves or they want to take partner with a fintech player to basically see what's, what's the reaction, they need to be able to integrate those services uh, in a way to also offer that customer uh, that service offering uh, the way the customer is demanding it as of today. And that is something independent of make or buy uh, for which they need to build this on their legacy systems, abstraction layers at least around to be able to to talk in an, uh, via API endpoints, basically, in a technical language, um, uh, to those services. And that's something which I think is a huge topic for them, which obviously um, I think most of those legacy systems, uh, I guess, are from the, some decades back initially, and they are stable, but they are very hard to basically interact with other systems, and that's probably what concerned them the most, independent of how they are using this then, then later on, I think. But as a bank, you need to be you need to increase your flexibility one way or the other, whether you're a specialist bank or universal bank. Um, I guess that's, that's essential. That's probably what also causes some major transformation and change um, within banks at the moment already for the last uh, years. And I think who is really ensuring that the entire the vision and this organization structure is in place to really do that change um, will be more successful than others. And I think the results maybe we start to see them to a certain extent by some banks being more agile and moving faster than others, but I think probably rather see the results in five, three, five years from now, um, and obviously even beyond um, um, who's gonna be really leading this. And most likely some banks might really struggle in the end, not that they are whatever, that they are now fintechs taking over their position, but maybe they don't don't survive yeah, in the end, which we've seen other industries as well over the last and, decades. I mean, fintechs won't survive, so. Hmm? And there will be fintechs. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, it's, uh, it's about, um, I think, in the end, when, when, when banks start to partner with fintech players, um, that's very important. They're not going to, it's not going to be for a special purpose or product. It's not going to be like two or three dozen they always want to pick. So there will be three to five, maybe they're in a certain area, uh, jurisdictions they will always consider. And uh, that's where every fintech, independent of what the company is doing today, needs to be, right? The, a potential preferred um, choice um, to be successful. Uh, Jeff Bezos said, "Your margin is my business business model." Uh, so, uh, has anybody watched Demolition Man? It's a really old Sylvester <laughs> Stallone movie uh, that he gets frozen, goes into the future, and among many other crazy things, uh, Taco Bell is everything. 
it's restaurants, it's coffee shops, it's Taco Bell is every store in the future. <laughs> and now what we see Amazon in Whole Foods and in banking is Amazon everything in the future. And this becomes a thing that is very relevant not just to society itself but the, the regulatory. Uh, I mean you had Standard Oil in the US that was shattered into a million pieces by the regulators because it was just dominating the entire value chain and everything along, uh, along the lines of it. So it, does this eventually become a societal issue as well? I think to fend off the topic uh, of, of Amazon, I don't know how much banks can do directly. I think we have two kind of splits here on one side and personal opinion again, not, not Deutsche Bank, but we have one side where banking, especially the big universal banks, uh, become an infrastructure provider. So it's like your electricity, it just comes to you. It's the service that everybody gets to use um, in the background. I think the preferred position for Deutsche Bank would be the client-facing interface, which as we were saying, everybody wants to be, right? Now, the, I think the only advantage uh, that we can truly say that we have uh, is data protection and security. And we have to see how valuable this actually is to the customers. Right? Now, I know coming from the US, I agree to everything Apple signs <laughs> my life away to and have no patience to read through anything. And is this something that, that continues and, and or does it change from a consumer behavior uh, standpoint? And the only other way is the government uh, imposes taxes, uh, which is another thing that has already been mentioned recently on how do taxes affect technology companies, which basically outsource or either eliminate employment, especially as the middle class keeps getting squeezed. Uh, what's the point of having financial services when there's aren't many people that have finance problems? Uh, so. Um, well, I have, yeah, I have two, two things to add. The first thing is like in the morning I had a Google alert about Google. Um, and, and that was uh, Google is really looking into the banking sector. And then I clicked on it and then I could read it because it was a subscription model and I was like, go. Oh. Uh, so anyway, Google is looking into the Google and I got a Google alert about that. Um, that's my story about Google. Um, and the other thing is I would like to go back to the customer because I think there's a dilemma. There's the dilemma that the customer really is more like a niche customer nowadays. It's like, I am not served by any bank, to be honest. I myself, and I think I'm not the only one, not by any. I have lots of money on a bank account sitting there, I mean, lots of, right? But uh, sitting there, it's not doing anything. I know that it's bullshit, I know it, yeah? But I haven't found anyone, anything, where I really want to invest my money. And I, th I think I'm not the only one, I'm within the industry. I'm not stupid, I can read stuff. I can understand stuff and I still find it too complicated, it's not appealing to me, I don't want to care, it's too much time investment, it's too much brain investment, it's like a lot of things. And I'm exaggerating here by, you know, like on, on purpose, but uh, I think there's, there's the dilemma that, you know, so the, the market goes more to a more niche market because the, the customer segments are not like being met by just a pure template anymore which has been done by banks. It's, it was a template. They wanted to put me into a template. I'm 37. Oh, she has no baby. She's probably going to get some, <laughs> some, some little ones very soon because she's, she's basically turning 40. And blah, 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 and whatever. And that's all, I mean, that's all like far away from my real life. So that's it. And yes, Google knows more about me. Google knows more what my real life is. And that is a real asset for sure. And it's not only Google having that asset, but uh, so having the details about someone's life, rather than having a template. Um, and then the, 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 the market more moving into the, niche, into the niche market, and then the banks 
wanting to all be the center of the ecosystem, which we all know can't be. Um, I think there's a couple of really conflicts uh, needing to be to be solved, and they 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 have not been solved. We are all talking about partnerships, relationships over here. So um, there are partnerships uh, between fintechs and banks, um, but are they really mutual beneficial? And how could that change? Um, what's, uh, what do you see in the future for these um, partnerships? Will there be more? I, mean, I can I can only speak what's uh, publicly available. I think uh, one topic here is you have partnerships, you have strategic investments, uh, and then just outright acquisitions. Uh, the uh, Deutsche Bank has participated in uh, two of these. We haven't, I think, outright purchased the company yet. Uh, so from the partnership level, we just announced recently that French insurance is going to become available via our platform. And uh, what I... Again, maybe I'm biased here, right? Uh, but the benefit that I think this gives to French insurance is between Deutsche Bank and the Postbank integration, this gives them access to 21 million uh, consumers. And if we are marketing their uh, products for them via our websites and their apps and giving them access to information and knowledge, I would suggest that this is mutually beneficial for, for both parties. One is that we are able to enter this kind of platform model where we are plugging in fintechs that provide services that we either don't do efficiently or that um, we don't play in that playground at all. Uh, and then on the other hand, it gives Deutsche Bank the benefit of having a, this approaching closer to this Amazon platform model where we offer financial services through, um, <coughs> yeah, through our own app. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for regulating one of the big challenges whether in lending or in uh, advisor wealth management, etc., is, is obviously scale origination, right? Because, I mean, even if you... It's almost sometimes a bit unfair uh, to, to now expect that um, these levels can be reached very, very far, fast if you consider how much time and effort also, let's say, banks have spent over the last decades plus uh, to get to, to the customer base which they have of today. Obviously, things have changed over the last 10, 20 years quite massively, but it's, it's still, it requires time and effort and money to build a customer base one way or the other, independent of whether the unit economics are great and your services offering is great. Um, and that's what, what is obviously the win-win the part or the win part or the partnership also for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the fintechs, right? Basically, you have direct access to a customer base which can be then served. And there obviously the question is, how does the entire value chain look like in this partnership? There are various ways how, uh, depending on how many people are involved uh, and what the banks Wants in terms of um, who takes over which part in this in this process, and then how how basically how the profits are so to say distributed. But in the end, um, for that's that's something which obviously requires a very good product, a way also for fintechs to to be able to integrate their service into the bank and, uh, environment, which again is unfortunately not a one-sided topic, but a two-sided one, uh, which we we also also know. So that's why it's essential, and then and then. The, the movement of banks towards um, towards integrating their or offering their connection to their core banking system is obviously also a good good way for for fintechs to uh, to enter into more in these partnerships. Yeah? And then partnerships normally, as as you said, it's there are various ways to partner. Something with 
strategic smaller investments, larger investments, just partnerships, pilots, and then there's a way of getting to know each other, yeah, which uh, is, uh, and then to decide whether that's something to to further explore and to further invest from from both sides, and that's probably also is then on the on the fintech side to have not only for the customer a very um, easy to use product, but also for the banks to have a service offering which can be relatively easily speaking uh, integrated, and it's. To be honest, not only then about API endpoints, but also about other ways how to connect systems uh, where fintechs need to be creative and understand that it's not like um, it's, it's, a, it's a different environment, um, but it helps. And obviously, for the banks, it's uh, it is a possibility to see okay, if I invest now time and efforts to in various products with, with various uh, technologies, innovations used, so I don't know what's the best one which is accepted the most. Maybe it's in, it can be an easier way to explore this, however. For this, obviously, also the uh, financial institution needs to create an environment, such as, for instance, BVA is a good example, almost like a sandbox environment, where fintechs can also connect their service quite fast and easily to their ecosystem, and both sides can basically explore that that's something very beneficial uh, for them, instead of going through a still quite lengthy process of integrating everything end to end and then realizing how uh, what the, how good the impact is and whether that was the right choice. Um, that's something which needs to happen. Then the partnership make even more sense for both sides, I think. Uh, but it's definitely a way, I think, uh, to go. And then again, the exit and the question is how that continues over time. Obviously, those partnerships are often white labeled, i.e. Um, it's like the look and feel of the bank. And then it depends on the strategic priorities, uh, what then happens beyond such a partnership. And I think if you look into examples that partner up for longer time, uh, for example, Scalable Capital with ING Diva, it gave them a big boost, um, Scalable, to get more um, um, assets under management and win new clients. And at the same time, it's a big trust element. Um, so they, if your bank um, recommends you for insurance or Scalable Capital, you trust your bank probably more than the unknown or not so well-known fintech. Um, and um, at the same time, or like Wikifolio, working with uh, Comdirect or Consource, so the, the customer of the bank also has a choice. So he, the customer doesn't have to move from the bank to scalable capital and open up an, another account or open up another um, KYC or undergo another KYC process. It's much easier for the client. So also the client benefits highly from that by having more choice. And if your bank would offer you 10 robo-advisors and base of putting your money in investing, maybe you would click and try it. And not have the money sitting in your account. It's cash. It was a lie, by the way. I am invested in a couple of startups. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to open the discussion um, to the audience. So if there's anyone who would like to just ask a question, please raise your hand. Ask a question. Volunteers first. No questions at all. We can ask the question to the audience. Okay. Raise your hand if you use a robo advisor. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Room to grow. Yeah. There was three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Who's N26 client? Yes. Bit more. Okay. You changed that? Yeah. I'm one of these who always starts out using everything and trying it out and then cutting it out down again. Okay. So, um, but with N26, I see it's the same problem. Like the discussion of you scale up a German fintech to an international level, I think it's a nice idea. But we just had one bank who made it over time, and that's Deutsche Bank. It was our only global player ever. 
And they work all the way on the investment banking side, not on servicing clients. So if I'm an US investor and looking at that picture on history, I'm not quite sure why I should go global scale stuff. So Figo was a much better example for probably going global because you have like the technical side is used over the, uh, all over the world. You can't use the technology all over the world. A German behavior in clients is a totally another thing than a US client. And as a Spanish client, so as soon as, as long as you build up on the behavior of a typical client, I think going fintech, German fintechs going global, I think there won't be a real big investment in that because it doesn't make any kind of sense from an investment standpoint. Yeah. So, and I'm testing always, I'm, I'm quite into also like testing the US counterparts of it mm. and mm, like like one of these guys who's not very risk averse and founded 13 companies over the years. So I'm one of these who's jumping in. Then it's more intuitive to the US side and if you like more on the German side, it's not intuitive. So I think that's always a little bit missing in that discussion. You have to have a historic view in it. But I, just maybe to answer on that, um, two, two, uh, two comments for instance also. Um, first of all, I think even if you start with Germany in your whatever, a German fintech or bank, right, um, you, it doesn't mean that you per se need to replicate um, what you're doing in Germany, also with regard to the client preference to other countries. Um, that's also, if you look at things like banks, like even in the UK, HSBC, like the, the world's local banks, so they are, definitely have very local approaches, obviously to clients' preferences, although they are uh, obviously uh, headquartered or originated from one country. We also, as Botka, we have, for instance, also think global act local approach. So we have uh, a global platform, we have tried to make the system as flexible as possible to have one approach uh, from a tactical perspective, but then obviously customize this according to the different markets like Netherlands, Spain, uh, UK, probably almost full spectrum what you can get in Europe in terms of customer preferences, so you have to address that. Um, at the same time, what we are seeing sometimes also when working actually with, um, let's say, um, partners or, or, or service providers from the US, also in a similar um, area, uh, Figo's points of work, like, like, like Yodi, etc., the, 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 the US market is so big, and obviously it has a special characteristics, that's also in terms of customer preferences, when going beyond the US, big surprise, because the world is totally different, uh, and, they, and they, hadn't, they didn't have to create that flexibility, right, because the market is big enough. So I think as a, as a European player, there are a lot of disadvantages, obviously being in Europe, not in US, because things are not harmonized at all, so just looking basically 1,000 kilometer north, east, west, south, it's, it's a totally different game, but once you get this, and once the environment also changes in a certain way to make it a bit more standardized, I think you, have a, you can have a huge disadvantage in this flexibility because you potentially can offer service across the world, but you need the mentality and you need the right people. I mean, also for instance here, uh, at Spotkip Lodoni in Berlin, right, we have, we have hardly any Germans. We have more than 20 nationalities here that helps when creating services. Um, not saying that everyone now creates its own service, claiming on its own kind of preferences, from, but they know where they come from. But it's, it helps to, you need an open, open mind. That's, that's for sure, also as a, as a, as a company, as a, from a cultural perspective. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still, it is, a, um, it is a, a challenge. And I think the, the, the German players obviously need to ensure that they are um, not only German um, in that regard. But yeah, but still I do agree with, with also with what you, what you said. So are there any fintechs um, from Germany you are interested in, the audience is interested in? You are looking at, you are really following what they are doing. 
Hello, I'm Aris from Sensatrain Adventures, so it's a corporate VC arm of Sensatrain Bank based in London. So I cover overall the European region, I guess, for the fund. Quite a few things you see in Germany, I mean, there is one thing I'm following, so we haven't made a move yet, but it's on the SME space, the invoice financing, so you see quite a lot of players there. You know, I forgot to mention names and all, but uh, like, which is just Pintex or Finana Billy, uh, Fanflow. Uh, in the Dutch region overall, there is also Advanon. So there's quite a few players that you see. Uh, they have a slightly different approach in the product, um, whether the flexibility or the strength of the collateral, the focus on the size of the SMEs. Uh, but I mean, overall, linking to the, uh, the spot of theme as well, uh, we see in our bank as well, there is, this, you know, there is we're using, the, our bank is using the same processes as the corporate banking to serve the, the businesses and these processes are very manual and, and, and slow and, and efficient and costly. Uh, so there is, and at the same time we have a big funding gap from the SME side uh, and those two are just not, they're completely different frequency. So it's natural that technology companies are coming to fill that gap uh, and we see this area very interesting. <laughs> Another question, maybe yeah. more for Nigel, sure. which is about the space where Figo uh, is. As an outsider uh, to the industry, um, what we find hard sometimes is to see how businesses like Figo and, and Scopetos differentiate from each other. So, is it, uh, when you go into the deep details, is it about execution skills? Is it breadth of functionality? Is it something more technical? What is your, how, what is your, how do you see your differentiation? Well, I would also say that the whole market is in the in the beginning. You know, it's like baby period. Period. But that's it. So differentiation happens in terms of like performance, stability, flexibility of the of the API. It's very technical anyway. Mm -hmm. um, then you see some moving towards more into like a approach of uh, serving specific customer needs more into in the in the depth. You know, whereas you know we are like looking more into like the widening on the like horizontal line. So it, you have both, and uh, I would say that differentiation um, at the moment is pretty much in the details, and also it's like how you work, how you're able to work with big banks, <laughs> um, which is not you know not everyone can do that. And like it's clearly it's right. clearly the case. Then <laughs> it's manpower quite a lot at the moment still. You know, yeah. it's uh, quite a lot of like how many people do you have to fix issues if you have issues. Um, and um, you know how can you drive this in the future? You know because we are baby, we are in the baby stadium. Um, it's also about um, uh, diversification in, in the future, and we are just making that step. For example, like as as Figo, and um, you know we, I can tell you more about that uh, in a couple in a couple of weeks maybe. <laughs> but I think in general also differentiate. Obviously, it's also. Being creating the awareness, whether it's with, with uh, institutionals or end consumers, right? In the end, and that's something where, uh, again, it's like um, um, also in, if we're in the UK, there was recently I think also a study like how many cu customers actually do know um, alternative lenders, uh, and that was I think was a fraction again was I think was single digit almost. Um, so it's a matter of if you have way more, yeah, more funds available to create whatever to to invest in marketing and sales, etc go out there and then obviously you need a, a great a flexible product as the basis without that you can't really 
be, be successful, but it's a matter of then being really maybe a, a bit more also also aggressive in those funding rounds which have been mentioned. This is something which is, which is obviously needed, to, and then to to not only execute a, some sort of a cost-efficient business plan, but also to be a bit more yeah uh, visionary, uh, also to to maybe play a different role o over time and to differentiate even even further because you basically need to explain everyone how you're different, and especially in, in, in fintech, it's still about getting that message across using intermediaries to work with um, and it's it's a it's a time-consuming game it's not easy to explain and therefore you need also horsepower um, and that's something I always try to stress also yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would like to close this uh, round table but um, yeah before we do that um, please um, just tell me in one sentence what you think how the whole fintech banking industry will look like in five years in five years, the customers will have a lot more choice provided by the banks or different fintechs where they go to. I think in five years, we are more talking about um, more corporate banking and how we do a mid and back offers and how we can actually utilize fintech solutions in that space, be it robotics, be it um, AI, be it uh, data. I really don't know, but I will have more money from shifted from my bank account into some sort of investment. One sentence. Yeah. Uh, Maybe two or three. <laughs> I hate to be uh, pessimistic here, but I don't know that we're in a massively different place than we are today. Five years from today. Um, not that pessimistic, obviously. Um, no, but I, I would. I would I would, I think, and I also would hope that we talk less about banks and fintech, but rather about financial services. So there isn't really, I wouldn't say there isn't any difference anymore, but there is less of a difference because both parties, so to say, work more closely together to have a unified, whatever, offering or solution to challenges of today. Um, at the same time, I also believe that um, there needs to be some external push. Uh, to to make this happen, I think some of the stuff is is around the door already happening. Also with with things like open banking, I, I definitely it's very hard to predict exactly, but this will definitely help facilitate that um, that wish. Uh. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank you Well, that brings us to the end of our roundtable discussion today, but if you are eager to delve a little bit deeper into this topic, be sure to check out the SpotCap blog at www.spotcap.com forward slash blog, where we're sharing the results of the audience poll we took during our event. And don't forget to subscribe to Spotlight on Fintech and be sure to follow us on social media. We'll put all of the relevant links in the podcast description below. Until next time, this has been Spotlight on Fintech.